Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The question I ask you on this half hour is, have you let Jesus heal your sight? I have a friend named David. We've known each other since we were eight years old, went to grade school, junior high, high school together. In our latter year of high school, David and I started arguing religion. He believed in evolution, I didn't. He didn't believe in the Bible, I did. And so we argued, and then in high college, we continued to be friends, but we argued. One night, a friend and I sat down with David, and I read the little four spiritual law book to him on how to receive Christ and become a Christian. And we said, David, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? And David said, no. But later that night, he told me, he did it by himself. And I bought David a Bible. And he started reading his Bible. And his life started to change. And today, David married a Christian wife. They have Christian children and grandchildren. David is part of a, he's a doctor, and he's part of a Christian medical team in Nebraska. And everything changed because he let Jesus heal his sight. Have you let Jesus heal your sight so that you see life properly? We're going to see a literal example of that when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Would you take out your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10, and let's learn about letting Jesus heal our eyes. Let's pray first. Father, there are probably people watching this show who don't see their need for Christ, don't see their need for a Savior. We pray, Lord, that you would open those people's eyes. And Lord, many of us watching the show have been Christians for many years, but we still have blind spots. Lord, we ask you to open our eyes to see things properly. And Lord, would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they, Jesus and the disciples, came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Here's the first lesson. Tragedies, like blindness, tragedies are opportunities to see the power of God. <clears throat> I was talking with an unbeliever, and he says, how can you believe in a good God when there's so much suffering and human evil in this world? And why, why would a good God allow men and women to be so wicked and all the disasters? And I said, Romans, the book of Romans teaches, God has shut up all people under disobedience that he might have mercy on all. And I said, Adam and Eve knew this much about the love of God, but ever since the fall into sin and the death of Christ for our salvation. Christians know this much about the love of God. We know more about the love of God than Adam and Eve knew. And he said, so you're telling me God allowed all this wickedness so we would see how much he loves us? And I said, I think that's a big part of it. 
He didn't like that. He thought that made God a monster. But listen, your tragedies, my tragedies, Bartimaeus' blindness, all these things are the stage on which God displays his power. If you think I'm making this up, this, there's another healing that takes place in the Gospel of John chapter 9. Listen to this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a different man blind from birth, and his disciples asked, Rabbi, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him, and Jesus heals him. You know, look, I don't like my disasters either, and my tragedies in life, I'm sure you don't like yours, but God uses our tragedies to get our attention and to, to do his work. Verse 47, and when the blind man heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a beautiful prayer that the Orthodox Christians have been praying since 400 AD. It's called the Jesus prayer. It goes like this, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They say it over and over, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is patterned after this blind Bartimaeus prayer. So here's the next lesson. When you're in trouble, cry to Jesus for mercy. You don't cry to him for justice. I don't know that you want justice. You say, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. So here was a, a woman who got up at the trial and her, her sister's murderer is sitting there and she's able to speak to the courtroom and she says to the murderer, I hope you get justice, I hope you burn in hell for what you've done to my family. And then at about the same time, a different murder on TV, a different woman gets up to speak in court and she says to the murderer of her sister, quote, we serve an amazing God and I want you to know I forgive you, and I hope you will seek out God for mercy before you die. When you're in trouble, you don't cry out for God's justice, you cry out for mercy. I mean, do you really want justice on Judgment Day? <laughs> um, I just got a brand new big TV set. And I don't watch our TV show because I get self-conscious, so I don't, I don't watch our show. But yesterday, I, I watched about five minutes of it on my big, huge new TV set. You can see every tiny wrinkle in my face. I notice all these, I mean, I don't have dandruff because I'm bald, but there were specks of something on my coat here. And, and you know what is going to happen on Judgment Day? Everything will be magnified. If you don't think you're a sinner, wait till Judgment Day when all your sins will become known. And do you really want justice on Judgment Day? No, on Judgment Day we cry to Jesus for mercy. Many years ago, a black man was brought into a southern courtroom. The judge was white, the jury was all white, and the judge says, well, sir, even though it's an all-white jury and I'm a white judge, I want you to know justice will prevail in my courtroom. And the black man said, Sir, it isn't justice that I want. It's mercy. <laughs> what I learned from blind Bartimaeus is when you're in trouble, you don't cry out for God's justice. You cry out, God have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Here's the next verse, verse 48. Many were sternly telling the blind man to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Here's the next lesson. Ignore the world. The world will tell you, shut up. Jesus isn't real. He's a fairy tale. He's not going to do any good. Just be quiet. That's what the world will tell you. We had a governor in Minnesota years ago, Jesse Ventura, former wrestler. He becomes the governor of Minnesota. He gave an interview for, for Playboy magazine in which he said, quote, religion is a crutch for simple-minded people. You know what I would have said to our governor had I been able to talk to him? Well, yes, Governor Ventura, Jesus is a crutch. But if you know that you're a cripple, it's kind of nice to have a crutch. And if you would humble yourself and realize you too are a sinner, then Jesus would make sense to you. Listen, the world will yell at you to be quiet. Just, Jesus doesn't work. It's not real. You ignore the world. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage. He is calling for you. Here's the next lesson. Believe that Jesus stops for you. Never think that you don't matter to Jesus, that your troubles are not a big deal to him. No, in this story, when you cry out to Jesus for mercy, he stops for you. I think one of the most moving scenes in the whole New Testament is Acts chapter 7, where Stephen is being stoned to death, the first Christian martyr. While he's being stoned, he says he looks into heaven, I see Jesus at the right hand, standing at the right hand of the Father. Now, did you catch that? In the New Testament, normally it says Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. But when Stephen is being stoned, Jesus stands up. Listen, if you're in hurting and, and you're crying out to mercy, Jesus doesn't sit at the right hand of God the Father. He stands up for you at the right hand of God the Father. That doesn't necessarily mean your suffering goes away. Stephen still died, but he, Jesus stood for him. So don't think he doesn't care about your little troubles. He stands for you. Look at verse 50. Throwing aside his cloak, the blind man jumped up and came to Jesus. Here's the next lesson. You need to come to Jesus to be healed. The story could have gone like this. Well, Bartimaeus, get up. Go to Jesus. He's calling for you. Bartimaeus could have said, well, I'm glad Jesus works for you. Jesus doesn't work for me. And he could have sat there and never got healed. No, no, no. If you want to get healed, if you want peace in your life, you want salvation, you want all the great stuff, you've got to go to Jesus to get it. I, I knew an old man by the name of Olaf, a saint of God. We called him Saint Olaf. And he became a Christian later in life. And I remember him saying, the one thing I got when I came to Christ was peace of mind. If you want peace of mind, if you want healing, if you want eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, you need to come to Jesus for that. There's an old song, you know the song if you go to church, Oh, what peace we often forfeit, Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That hymn teaches you need to go to Jesus in prayer. 
Look at verse 51. In answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Here's the next lesson. Tell Jesus your need. You know, sometimes you talk to someone, do you pray? No, why not? Well, God knows everything ahead of time. What's the use of praying? Wrong! I mean, did Jesus know this man needed to be healed? Yes, he did. Everybody did because he's yelling so much. Jesus knew he needed to be healed, but still Jesus says to him, okay, now what do you want me to do for you? Meaning, it's important for us, it's healing for us to specifically verbalize our needs to God. So I hope you have a prayer time. I hope you have a regular time every day where you talk to God and you verbalize your needs to him. There's another old hymn that goes, I must tell Jesus all of my sorrows. I cannot bear these burdens alone. If I will tell him, Jesus will help me. He always loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus will help me, Jesus alone. So I hope you have a regular time where you talk to the Lord. Verse 52, And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Here's the next lesson. Faith in Jesus heals. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Blind Bartimaeus, your goodness has healed you. You've gone to church so much, you've been such a wonderful person. Because you're so good, you're healed. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, no, no, your faith in me is what healed you. I know an evangelist. He talks to people about Jesus a lot. He told me he thinks 98% of the people that he talks to thinks they are going to heaven because they're good people. And he said, they don't get it. And I said, I agree. We're not good people. We're sinners. That's why we need Jesus. What saves us is not our goodness because we don't have any. What saves us is putting our faith in Jesus who brings us salvation. Verse 52, immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. Here's the next lesson. We follow Jesus because he healed us. <laughs> if you were to ask me, Tom, why do you follow Jesus? Is it so you don't have to go to hell when you die? I would say, well, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. The reason I follow Jesus is he heals me. I'm kind of a mess. And even after my salvation, I'm still kind of a mess. But Jesus continually forgives me and heals me, forgives me and heals me. That's the reason I follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because he heals us. Well, so let me close by asking you the question we started with. Have you let Jesus heal your eyesight? I'll close with this. I saw this recently. Here's an older man who was confused earlier in life and went through a sex change operation and became a woman, which you really can't do. But then he comes to Christ. And Jesus opens his eyes and he sees, God, you made me a man. That's who I am. I'm not a woman, I'm a man. And now he's gone back to being a man. You know, he's, he got mutilated because of the horrible stuff that was done. But, oh, listen, it, it, 
We need to let Jesus open our eyes to see who he tells us that we are, and that will bless you. Come to Jesus to get your eyes opened. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. If you have a question about something that you're not understanding or a problem in your life that you'd like us to address on a future show, we'd like to invite you to send it to our website, which will show up at the end of the show. Pastor Brock, some people believe that sickness is from the devil, but are you saying it's from God? I'm saying it's kind of from both, and here's my verses on this. It does say in the book of Acts that Jesus went around healing people oppressed by the devil. So the devil can have a hand in sickness. And when he healed the woman who was bent over, uh, he says, should I not have done this, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, to heal her on the Sabbath? So Satan can have a hand in it. But on the other hand, Jackie, let's say one of your children was born blind. Was that the devil? Was that God? What happened there? I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, where God says in the burning bush to Moses, Who makes man deaf, dumb, seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So I would take comfort in the fact, if I had a blind child, God is in charge of this for some reason for his glory. I'm not saying it would be easy, but I think that's a, the better route to go than to say the devil's running the universe. Okay, so you talked about transgender things. Yeah. So what should a Christian believe about transgender Oh, Jackie, the weirdest sermon I've ever heard in my life, I heard recently. She's a liberal ELCA Lutheran pastor in the Twin Cities, and she, in her sermon, went on and on about a certain man in her church who's not really a man, it's a woman. But this person doesn't want to be called he or she. This woman wants you to call him or her, they. I mean, it's wacko. And she went on and on about this. And this is a woman, this is a woman pastor preaching that we should tell women who think they're men, okay, then you're a man. That's bizarre. And you know, Jackie, somebody just today said, he's a teacher. Okay, let's have the girls line up on this side of the class and the boys on the other. The principal said, you can't do that anymore. Because who knows if one of those children is transgender. And, but you know, Jackie, and so you've got parents, some well-meaning, but I'm sorry, evil parents who are giving their children blockers so they can't go into puberty so the junior can find out if he's a he or she. No, you know, the, the, the authorities say, you let these kids alone, and they, they normally grow out of it. But my, my, Jesus said, do you not know that, I'll say that one more, the head bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the liberal branch of Lutheranism, her name is Elizabeth Eaton, they asked her and she said, there's not just male or female, there's a spectrum, it's fluid. Well, Bishop Eaton, Jesus said, he who made them in the beginning made them male and female. He didn't add a third. So it's just crazy what's happening in our culture. We need to follow what Jesus said, not what some psychologist says. Okay, I'm gonna take this a little different direction right now. If God knows everything anyway, why should we pray? Mm -hmm. Doesn't he know what we need before yep. we even ask yep. it. And, and the Bible basically teaches that God knows the end from the beginning. So why do I pray if he already knows everything? 
Well, there's some mystery going on in prayer that God actually answers our prayers. And if you don't pray, you won't get the answers you would have. Well, doesn't he know everything? Yeah, he does. But he wants you to verbalize it. And most of that is for your sake. It's healing for you to verbalize what you're feeling to the Lord. So are you saying that God always heals someone who has faith? Uh, there are some TV preachers that teach that. I don't believe that because uh, Paul said to Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He doesn't say name it or claim it. He doesn't say where's, where's your faith. He says take your medicine. And it says in the Old Testament, now when Elisha became ill of the illness of which he was to die, nothing was wrong with Elisha's faith. If you remember, Elisha raised people from the dead in the Old Testament, but he died of an illness. So sometimes God just wants to take you home. Okay. Um, so d I guess, does God ever heal unbelievers then? Because if they don't believe yeah. and they aren't asking for healing. Yeah. I think there's instances in the, in the New Testament where Jesus heals somebody. Like, for instance, that's, uh, the, uh, uh, the official who had a daughter at home that was dying. Jesus heals the daughter without ever even meeting his daughter. He does it from, from long distance. So, yeah, I think God heals people that are unbelievers to bring them to Christ. I think it happens. Yep. Okay. You were talking about anointing with oil. Mm -hmm. Is does a person have to be anointed with oil to be healed? Or yeah, in, in James chapter five it says, "Let the sick call for the elders. Let them anoint him with oil and pray over him." Now that's that, Jackie. I would do if you've got a disease or an illness. I'd call for the elders and do James five. Can God do it other ways? Yeah. Sometimes Jesus heals long distance. Sometimes just prayer will heal you. So there's and God will use doctors too. So there's all kinds of ways He can do it. But James chapter 5, I would definitely consider. Okay. What does Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father mean? Mm -hmm. When we talk in the New Testament about God sitting at the right hand of God the Father, the at the person at your right hand had the highest honor. So if you had a party, you'd put the highest guest at your right hand. When it says that Jesus sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in the Creed and in the Bible, it means that God the Father has given Jesus the highest position in the universe. And we'll all, we will all be judged, not by the Father, but by Jesus. The Father has given all judgment into the hands of the Son, Jesus said. So it means the highest position of honor. But God is in control of things, but Jesus is God. Jesus, you know, there, what we have is God the Father in control of things. God the Son, Jesus, sits at his right hand. God the Holy Spirit is invisible. So there is one God in three persons. And there are distinctions. The Father is not exactly what the Son is. There are distinctions in the Godhead. We only believe in one God. We don't believe in three gods. But there are three distinct persons. Yeah. Okay. You know, this healing thing, though, is a hard thing for people to accept. And, mm -hmm. and you know, to know how they should go about asking for it or mm -hmm. everything so I think you've cleared up some of the things that are a little bit hard for people to understand um, you know it's hard for a parent though to watch a child that has to go through oh. the suffering and you wonder why is God allowing this yeah. did I do something wrong what would you say to that I would person? say what Jesus said in John chapter whatever that was it was not that this pe person or his parents did anything wrong this is somehow for the glory of God so just you know if your child is sick it doesn't mean you sinned 
uh, it means that somehow God will be glorified through this. It's hard to understand. It is. Appear. On the other hand, Jackie, when we get to heaven, we're going to, you know, how, uh, my, my little niece who died at age nine months, who knows what God spared her by taking her early. That's true in yeah. this day and age. Well, Tom, we're right down to the very end. Okay. And, you know, yeah. we've been doing this for a long time. 29 years. Yes, and it's scary. But it's so great that we've had the support of all the people that watch this program and encourage us and that. So we just like to thank you for all of your prayers and for your help and support. You've done a lot to make this program what it is today. And we're going to introduce now our helpers. Well, everybody, we have been doing this program for 29 years, and for about seven years we've been national. But these are the people behind the scenes that put the show on. I just wanted to introduce them to you today. So right here is Fred. He's our director. He says jump. I say how high. He's married to this, our producer slash on-air hostess. That's Jackie Albright. And then we've got Carol. She does the graphics that you see. Joel, who runs the camera. We've got Greg, who also does the graphics and editing. We've got his wife, Mona, who does the camera. And we've got Mike, who now is helping with editing. And these people do all of this for free. And just, uh, just wanted you to know, we have been, the reason we do this show is for three reasons. Number one, to save the lost. We preach salvation <laughs> through Christ alone a lot on this show. The second thing we do on this show is we want to strengthen believers. Most of our programs are just giving you Bible teaching to strengthen believers. But we have a third burden. We want to see the church be the church. So you hear lots of sermons of me preaching about evil in the church and trying to get people out of bad churches into good churches. But that's what we're here for, is just to edify you. And you know how this is funded? None of these people gets paid. They do this because they love the Lord and they want to see people come to Christ. I get a modest salary. When people donate to our ministry, overwhelmingly the money goes to buy airtime on television, which is where the lion's share of, of the cost is. So what we want to just ask you to, to pray for these people, pray for our TV ministry. It is inspiring to me to see the impact we're having. We get, we get letters, phone calls, emails from all over the country now of people who say, thank you so much for taking a biblical stand on the issues of the day. Thank you so much for, for leading me to a deeper knowledge of Christ. So again, just I, I wanted to introduce all these people to you. I praise God for these people. I ask you to pray for them, pray for our ministry. If the Lord nudges you to be partnering with us by giving to keep us on the air, you'll see the phone number at the end of the show, or you go to pastorstudy.org. People contribute that way too. But just thank you so much, and just wanted to thank them. And we'll see you next time on The Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.